And then next Sunday will be the children's program at the 11 o'clock service. They've been working hard also and always love to share that with their parents and grandparents and, and all of you who come. So make a point if you'd like to be there at the 11 o'clock service for to hear them. And then that evening will be the Compassionate Friends service for anyone who's lost a child at any age from infancy and beyond. Uh, it's a very tender time for the families and for those loved ones who uh, choose to come on that evening. And that will be at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary as well. And if you know of anyone that might <clears throat> be interested in that, <clears throat> let them know that as well. And it's open to the public, and uh, many people come from the community. So share that information if you have the opportunity to do so. And then on Sunday the 17th will be the choir cantata, and that's always a great addition to our Christmas worship times as well, and that will be at the 8.30 and 11 o'clock services, and they will be sharing all the, the songs that they've been practicing with us to further help us get into the, to the right Christmas spirit and the proper attitude as we prepare for that. Now, in your bulletins, you have a copy of a postcard which you received in the mail. However, there were a few errors on that, and some of the times were not right. This one is correct. So take that one home and put it on your on your kit refrigerator or wherever you have things to remind yourself, because that has the correct times on it. You'll be getting another one next week, and you might choose to share that with a neighbor or friend or coworker and invite them to Christmas Eve services. And there will be another opportunity after that. You'll also get one in the mail as well to share. So make sure that you um, make note of those times, get those kind of in your head, because they're a little bit different this year since uh, Sunday is Christmas Eve, and uh, just be sure you kind of note which one of the services that you want to attend. So with that, we have a video that we're going to watch here for a few minutes. Leandra Martins is one of our seminary students, and she has received a scholarship from the foundation, and she's got some words that she wants to share with us this morning. Hey, Mary Methodist. My name is Leandra Martins. I'm a seminary student at Duke Divinity School, and I'm in my second year now. I have one more year until I'm finished. And I've been a member of Marian Methodist since I was in middle school, as well as my family. Um, And we've just had an amazing time being members of Marian Methodist ever since we joined um, our faith, and just our closeness as a family has grown so much. I just wanted to send a thank you to the congregation and the church staff of Marian Methodist for all the support they've given me over the years um, since I was in middle school up until now through seminary, whether it be through prayers or financial donations or just checking in to see how I'm doing. Um, I know I wouldn't be here today without the support from that Marian Methodist family. So I just wanted to send a thank you to all of you, and I can't wait to come back to Marian and worship with you guys. Today we are going to be talking about comfort and comfort for God's people and the, the comfort that God promises to us. We are going to be in Isaiah 40 reading about this and we're going to start in verse 1 and it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged plains, places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Says to the town, say to the towns of Judah, here is our God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the joyful noises that we were making to you. And Lord, it was all for you. All the praises be to you, God. And God, we thank you for people who are willing to pour their heart out into this music and to bring you glory. Lord, help us today to see the comfort that you provide and that you hold us dear to you. We thank you for Pastor Mike and for the words that you have been speaking to his heart in preparation for this message. Lord, use him to speak to your people, to your flock. We know you are all-powerful and almighty, but sometimes, Lord, you choose to speak to us so tenderly and so soft. You guide our hearts and our steps, but only if we let you. Lord, help us to see the comfort that you provide and to take this comfort on. Speak today through Pastor Mike and help those who need to hear this message to take it to their heart. Thank you for your love for us. Amen. It is a great day to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. I love that. Uh, today is the day of our uh, bell celebration today. And I don't know how many of you know what Eventbrite is, but Eventbrite is a way that you can push out events through digital media to people and say, hey, grab a ticket for this event and come, even though it's free. And, and just so you know, and this is my invitation to you, I told you last week this, we were, we were really working the, be- the bells as a bridge event, is uh, we've had people that, because you can see who grabbed them, uh, about 40 people that have nothing to do with our church that yet, yet, that have grabbed tickets to tonight's event here at, at the church. And so I'm hoping a big welcoming committee of, oh, you know, this many will be here uh, to greet those folks that are new to, to Marian Methodist that come to, to just embrace the music of, of the Christmas uh, time. So, so come on back at four o'clock um, this afternoon for the bell choir concert. I, I will continue to say that because I think it's fabulous and fantastic. I hope we're filled, uh, to the edges of the church and have to be setting up folding chairs everywhere. Our sermon today is as follows. Like Kelsey read from Isaiah 40, we're talking about God promising comfort and it starts like this. We are not comfortable. As a people, we're not comfortable. Oh, we have a lot of things. We have the ability to go wherever we want, and yet we are not 
comfortable. I, I meet with couples uh, a number of times before they come together in marriage under my uh, guidance. And one of the things that's always interesting to me as we go through the, 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 the uh, sequence of meetings, I always ask them, what, what are your goals? What are your spiritual goals? What are your emotional goals? What are some of your economic goals? And I can't remember a couple in the last 10, 12 years that hasn't somewhere or another through the counseling woven this sentence into it. When I ask them, what are your goals? They say, we just want to be comfortable. They might not be able to explain what comfortable means, but we just want to be comfortable. And and I understand that because we always want to be comfortable and and we can't always define it. Now, I can tell you what discomfort is. I I can tell you what it's like to be uncomfortable. Not not too long ago, I I was in a a doctor's office, an orthopedic surgeon's office, and he came at me with a, a needle that was about this long. And he's aiming it right here at my knee where I've had some weakness over the years. And he says to me, right before he inserts that into my joint, this might cause you a little bit of discomfort. And if by discomfort he meant that someone was going to sit me on a hornet's nest, light my mouth on fire, and stick an arrow through my shoulder, yes, there was slight discomfort there. So I know what it's like to be uncomfortable, and so do you, both spiritually, physically, and in other ways. We know what it's like to desire to be comfortable, too. And we're not comfortable. We're worried people. We're struggling as a people. We feel oppressed and put off as a people. We wonder in this generation, the generation that you and I live in right now, who can we trust? And that makes us very uncomfortable. The, the people that we've elected, the people that we've invited into our living room via television, are guilty of highness things. Things that are now being made public. And we wonder who can we trust. As a matter of fact, some of these things are so highness that it troubles me as, as an American male. And I know that, that some women have to look at the men in their life and be asking the question, can... We trust him. It's uncomfortable. Entire municipalities have been sent down the stream, such as it was, have been poisoned because of political maneuvering. And people in those electorates say, can we, can we trust them? Can we trust anyone? People have been promised things. You have been promised things. I've been promised things. And then people let us down. They just... Don't deliver on their promise. And we ask, who can we trust? It makes us uncomfortable. As a people, Americans, North Americans, we're in pain. We're uncomfortable. I'm one of the people that still read the newspaper. I'm that guy, you know, in the morning. I still hold it in my hand. I have the internet, but I still like to read the newspaper. This Monday, this past Monday, there was a survey that came out in Cedar Rapids Gazette called Pain in the Nation. Pain in the Nation was a survey put on the Amer- by the American Trust for Well-Being. I want to share with you a couple of things about the Pain in the Nation survey. One of the quotes in the newspaper article said this, There is a meteoric increase in deaths by drugs, alcohol, and suicide in Iowa. It's expected to slow. It's expected to slow in the next 10 years. But as it slows, it will still increase by one-third. 
Slowing it down is only an increase by one third. That, that means since 2000, the rate of suicide in Iowa has risen 177% annually. And it will rise by 36% in the next eight years to 2025. Secondly, it says this report signals serious underlying concerns facing too many Americans about pain, despair, and disconnection. And worse, worse. The authors of this, uh, of this research warn that their projections might be too conservative because they haven't figured in the opiate crisis and the use of opiates into this. The truth is, we're not comfortable. We're not comfortable. And into this uncomfortable human reality, <coughs> God initiates comfort. And into this very uncomfortable human reality. You know, by the way, when, when we talk about pain and discomfort, God's answer is always, I'm right here. I'm the answer. And into our uncomfortable, into our uncomfortable human reality, God initiates comfort. And God initiates the action. He, he starts it. See, the Lord sees your ache. The Lord sees our ache. The Lord sees what's troubling us specifically and really. We are not unknown to God. He knows everything about us, both good and bad. He knows your everything. He is not passive. He is not far off. He is not out there in the clouds somewhere. Here it is we see in the scriptures that Kelsey read just a few moments ago. Our God acts. God announces his decision with his own voice. He doesn't let somebody else do this. He announces his decision with his own voice that God wants to rescue his people and is more than able to do so. It's important as you read the Bible to see who's talking, where the verses, where the voices are coming from. It's important that as we read the Bible, we notice that the prophets are calling back people to the covenant God had already given them. He, the prophets say, remember what God said to you. Remember the covenant that God has with you. I, I don't need to give you any new news. There's no radical new movement that I need to tell you about. Just listen again to what God told you before. And prophets are not immortal. They're mortal. They come and go. That's why it says, like, like the grass of the fields, they come. The word of God, though, does not come and go. The word of God is eternal and God persists in his plan and succeeds in it time does not limit God from carrying out his plan so here you see in Isaiah 40 God himself speaking it says the words come from God's mouth itself comfort is in the one who comes to walks with and sits with you that's where our comfort is it's an uncomfortable, broken up, disconnected, dissonant world. And the one who brings comfort comes to sit with you and be with you and walk with you. In verse 10, it says, see the sovereign Lord comes. He's coming. He's coming indeed for you. He's coming with presence. He's coming with power. And his presence brings hope and encouragement because of the simple idea of Emmanuel. God is with us. His voice speaks to our needs. You know, the deepest ones you have, not just our wants, our desires. He speaks to the deepest needs of your very soul. He speaks to right into that which disjoints your, 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 your heart. He speaks right in to those things that disenfranchise you the most. And his very voice 
His very voice just soothes us. He, he accepts us. And he makes us whole. I study in my own home, uh, my personal devotions, I, I study from the New Living Translation, which has just a little twist uh, in, some ver- in some words here that aren't in the NIV. I, I want to read you one verse out of this. Uh, it, this. This scripture that we've been reading starts this way in the New Living Translation. It says, Comfort my people, comfort, says your God. Speak to Jerusalem that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Her sad days are gone. How wonderful it would be to recognize in the depths of your heart that your sad days are gone because your sins are pardoned. You see, this is how God plans to treat a once deaf, blind, mute, and disobedient people by forgiving us our sins. I want you to look at a, at a picture. You've probably seen this one before. Did you notice how, how television networks think that watching The Wizard of Oz is one of our family traditions? Last weekend or Thanksgiving weekend, there were four networks that ran The Wizard of Oz. They understand that we get it. Even though it was written in 1939, I want to point to what what they've got there. See, when the house fell on the wicked witch of the east, it didn't injure her. It, It didn't disrupt her plan. It made her quite completely, absolutely, all the way dead. She was dead. She wasn't coming back. The legs roll up under the house, right? This is not just a reference for my generation, is it? You guys get it, right? All right. So the wicked witch of the West is quite completely dead. This, not that, but this is what God does to your sin. He proclaims it quite completely, most sincerely, all the way dead. He comes in his comfort, with his power and strength to take with mercy's hands and crush your sins and say, listen, it's all the way gone. All that that breaks you, all that makes you uncomfortable in your soul, it's gone. Comfort is God's merciful way of dealing with his people in this age and in the age to come. He comforts with immeasurable, undefeatable, and dependable strength because the Messiah, you see, is not words on a page. You know, those of us that are in this room, we've come by Christmas before. We've read that story from Isaiah. We've read the stories from Luke. We understand what Christmas is about. But you see, for God, it's not a story. The Messiah is not a hope. The Messiah is not an ideal. It's not a dream. It's a presence. It's a reality. It's something exactly that God comes to do. It is the incarnation of God himself. He doesn't hope the best from us. He comes himself to give it to us. Do you understand that's what the Messiah is about? He doesn't hope that things go well for us. He doesn't say, boy, I hope their discomfort goes away. He says, I'm going to go myself and bring them the comfort that I want them to have. You see, sometimes you and I, and a lot of you are active in church and community and school and all that kind of stuff, and you have meetings that you have to go to, and sometimes you have to miss one. I mean, maybe your mortgage-paying job or something requires you to be somewhere else, maybe a children's activity, and you can't be there. And you might call the chairperson or send an email to him and say, well, I'm sorry I can't be there today, but I'll be with you in spirit. Some of you said that? I'll be with you in spirit, which really means... I'm really with you. I hope the best. Hope it works out. 
God does not say in Isaiah, I can't be there, but I'll be with you in spirit. What he says in Isaiah is, I'm on my way. I'm coming and I'm here. I'll be there. Wherever it is that troubles you, wherever it is that you're uncomfortable, wherever it is that you're broken, I'll be there. I'm in your wilderness. I'm in your darkness. I'm in your most difficult days. I'm not just thinking about you. I'm there. I'm present with you. I'm right beside you. Look up. You'll see me. Is God's comfort for everybody? Yes. And God's comfort is received by the prepared. Only the people that prepare to receive God's comfort really receive it. The promise of a Savior of comfort in the midst of the turbulent, broken world in which we live. See, we, you only need a Savior when you need saving. You get that, right? Nobody throws a life ring into the swimming pool with the kids that are playing, right? We need a Savior in the midst of our turbulence in the most of, in a difficult world. And it's in the midst of all that, that that the announcement of the Savior comes and it's heard by those that are listening, that are listening for the coming of the Lord, that are looking for the coming of the Lord to intervene and deliver hope into their brokenness. And the scripture says, shout. It doesn't say whisper. It doesn't send, send an email. It doesn't say post on social media. God's coming. It says shout. It means it's broadcast wide and long and for all to see and all to hear. It, it doesn't say Shh, keep it quiet. We don't want everyone to know. In fact, it says cry into the wilderness. And what is the wilderness? You know, what is your wilderness? See, I would say wilderness is that place when you're far from your homeland, which is your life in God. That's your wilderness. That's where it's desperate. That's where your soul is dry. That's where the days are hot and you feel like you're burning up. And what God says is that in your wilderness, listening, looking, is your response. Because I'm coming. God offers victory at his initiative. At his initiative, our wills must conform and conjoin <clears throat> with it through daily acts of preparation in the way of the Lord. Comfort comes to those who are prepared for it. Seeds of comfort may take root in the worst of your days. Seeds of comfort may take root in, in the midst of your worst adversity. Adversities may persist. I got to tell you this. Anybody that's a Christian knows this. is just because you look for Christ, just because you receive the Savior in life, does not mean the mud storms stop. It does not mean the dissonance stops. It does not mean the difficulty stops. It doesn't mean people stop lying to you just because you love Jesus. But comfort is in your present. And it's in the future you have with God. So in your wilderness, whatever that means, in your wilderness, which are your life's trials, your, your life's sufferings, your discomfort, it's in them. Prepare to see God. Prepare to meet God face to face. Because comfort comes to those who have waited. I love this line in the scriptures. I love all the lines in the scriptures. <clears throat> but is this one line in the scripture that talks about after the des des devastation, for all to see a path is made to the wilderness. Now, what's interesting in Isaiah, which is different than some other places in scripture, the path in Isaiah indicates that the ransom, the Messiah, comes to us. So often we're told, come back. You know, that's what a lot of the prophets say. Come back to God. Come back to God. God is his own self says, I'm coming to you. There's going to be a path made so I can get to you and we can travel together 
on it. When life has fallen apart, and sometimes it is, and maybe it is for some of you, specifically and individually right now, when you're in the wilderness, God comforts. God comes. He comes to those and comforts those who are looking to him and looking for him. You know, the bells, the candles, the beautiful wreaths and all the decorations of the church, all are about this season of Advent, which is a season of waiting, a season of preparation. We in the church take four weeks to remind ourselves, look to God, look, he's coming, look, he comes and arrives in in your lives. And so in this season of Advent, in this season of waiting, this morning I really just have one word for you. All of this has led up to this. Look for God's comfort. Look for God's comfort in your life. It's present. It's here. It's coming. Look for it. Comfort comes to those whose sins have been forgiven and have received that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so today we come and we've, 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 we've made sure we have enough room by way of the clock today to really celebrate Holy Communion. Because so many of us have come by Holy Communion so many times and so many of us have come to, to Advent so many times that we, we kind of forget the message that, that Holy Communion is a celebration and it's a symbol of complete forgiveness. It's a symbol of your complete restoration that, 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 that for those that have been prepared and have been waiting for God. This is for you. Holy Communion is a, is a symbol to remind us that God is coming in Jesus Christ to comfort our souls. Holy Communion is a symbol to drink in not just the grape juice, but to drink in the truth of how much God loves you. And so when you're tasting that juice and feeling that bread in your mouth, whether you're kneeling here or returning to your seats, just be reminded in, in these symbols of, of, of wine and, and, and bread, of juice and bread, how much God loves you. Because, you know, Holy Communion is at its simplest in the context in which we take it today. A symbol of the Christmas that God promises to give you. Now, we're going to take communion here it's one of the two sacraments of the United Methodist Church, and we're grateful to include and invite everyone in Holy Communion. If you've never been to a United Methodist Church before, or never taken communion to Holy Ch- uh, Methodist Church before, I, I want you to know this, that Holy Communion in our church is open to all people who love Jesus Christ or want to receive him in your life. So if you've never taken communion before, even this is for you. We, we welcome you to it and we invite you you to it. If you feel uncomfortable because maybe you're from a different church background or, or maybe you're just not ready, it's okay too to, to remain in your seats and even though the ushers might uh, uh, dismiss your row, just kind of give them an inclination that you'd like to stay there. Now we take communion in a very simplistic way. It's called intinction. So that means we'll hold the elements, but you manage them with your own hands. You take a little piece of bread and if you need gluten-free, it'll be in the tray and it'll be obvious. Just take that and then uh, dip it into the juice yourself and then receive it into your mouth and, and just come forward to the <clears throat> middle and then return to your seats. We'll, we'll come down the center aisles in just uh, a moment's time. 
or so. Now, we also believe that communion doesn't stop here. First, you go out into the world and, and do the work of a, of, of a Christian that's received your salvation. And we take communion. So you might see several people grabbing these bags that are on the front row up here that have uh, communion kits that will be blessed in a moment when I bless all these elements to take to those people that are in hospitals, nursing homes, or, or uh, are not able to get out or join us in communion, and they extend this service beyond that. So th- th- those, are the, those are the instructions. Let's get right to the meal that we love so much. You see, from cradle to the cross, Jesus Christ was our Lord and Savior. So before he came to earth, he knew that he was coming as himself embodied, and that we would probably need to see a sacrifice. And so on the last night of his life, the Lord Jesus took a common loaf of bread, broke it, offered it to his disciples, and said, take and eat. This bread represents my body, and as you've seen this bread broken before your eyes, so you will see my body broken before your eyes. And each time you eat bread, Do it in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over and after everyone had taken their fill, the Lord Jesus took a cup, raised it to heaven, gave thanks to his Father in heaven, and then said, Drink from this, all of you. For in this cup is the wine, which represents my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat bread, drink this wine in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of all of God's mighty acts of salvation, We eat the bread, we drink the wine, and know that God and God alone can pay for our sins and create in us a new life. And so we praise him and we honor him for that. These are your invitations. Please give our stewards just a minute uh, to get into their spots and then come eat and drink. And if you're unable to come forward, just I'll come to you and make 